This is the VIP Podcast, Virginia in Politics. Let's listen to host Chris Saxman explore the personalities and policies that connect the Commonwealth. The VIP Podcast is brought to you by the VCTA, Broadband Association of Virginia, and Virginia Free. The views and opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the VCTA and Virginia Free or our sponsors. This is Chris Saxman with the VIP Podcast, a collaboration of the VCTA, the Broadband Association of Virginia, and Virginia Free. I'm the Executive Director of Virginia Free. After serving eight years in the General Assembly, the House of Delegates, with this gentleman, former Secretary, former Secretary of Public yeah. Safety and Homeland Security, Brian Moran. Great to see you. It's great to be with you. And you, viewers can see I'm now no longer Secretary, but I can wear <laughs> a sweater and no tie and not all dressed up and be casual, and it, uh, there certainly is a bit of a sigh of relief. Um, it was eight years. Yeah. 13 years in the legislature. So 21 uh, so years of public service, 21 direct public years. service. Yeah, right here in the Capitol. But I, I still love the action, Chris, as you do. I know you're yeah. continuing to stay very much involved. Yeah. And uh, I do as well. In what capacity, I'm not sure, but uh, I just love, I love the action. I love policy making. And um, I certainly enjoy uh, the city of Richmond as well. And uh, you, you seem a little lighter now that you're no longer Secretary of Public Safety and Homeland Security. That's not, you know, that's not a, that's a, that's a pretty serious gig, if you will. And, you know, when, when the clock struck noon on January 15th and you turned the reins over to the, to the new administration, how'd that feel? It felt great. <laughs> what was it? What was it? Was it a the relief? new administration? I like uh, Bob Mosier, Secretary yeah. Mosier, Sheriff Mosier. We we came to know each other while he was uh, yeah. sheriff, and I was secretary. I, I know I went to Fauquier a couple of times. He was um, active in uh, trying to address opioids. So so I I was aware of him, um, having worked with him, and then transition wise, I, I have a great deal of respect for him. Um, but I'll t I'll tell you, the Department of Emergency Management. Um, you know that last week, in fact, we had a couple of storms. Yeah. And right up until the last minute, we had an emergency declaration. Yeah. Um, they, they, they told me, you know, over the last four years, and of course I've served in this job eight, but four years, we have averaged an emergency declaration once every 30 to 60 days. On weather? Well, no, total. total. So you're okay. talking COVID, oh, okay. flooding, okay. Okay. Wow. weather, okay. hurricane prep, right. uh, preparation. Um, uh, the, the, the protests of the summer of 20, we sure. were in emergency declarations uh, right here in the city of, of Richmond. The, the mayor asked the governor to declare a state of emergency, and, and the governor did. And, and that, uh, that mobilizes a number of things, particularly the uh, National Guard. So, yeah, I mean, it feels as though the last four years we were in pretty much a state of emergency. <laughs> Certainly the last two with COVID. Right. Uh, and COVID obviously impacts society as a whole. Every one of us is concerned about it, but particularly with um, you know my agencies at the time were Department of Corrections. You know we have yeah. 41 facilities where folks are obviously uh, you know confined uh, in small places, and so that was always a constant uh, constant concern. And we had to be vigilant to make sure we ensure their safety as well as all of our employees, our correctional officers who were going to those prisons every day. They didn't have a lockdown. They they didn't get to work from home, right, right, right. Like a lot of right. folks did, they were going in every day. So I, <clears throat> same with our state police and all of our law enforcement. <clears throat> I could not be more proud of uh, those who, uh, uh, men and women who wear wear the uniform. Uh, our first responders, that you know, they, there was no lockdown for them. They were going out each and every day, 
to work and, and uh, save lives, literally save lives. So, yeah, I mean, that the last two years in particular around those issues, um, it was a constant uh, concern. And uh, I, great agency heads, Harold Clark over at the Department of Corrections does a great job, certainly Colonel Settle at State Police and others, you know, they've stayed on. And right. I congratulate Governor Yunkin recognizing their talent, their skills, good good to keep them on. They're, they're wonderful well, public, public safety is the, is the essence of government, isn't it? It's, 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 <coughs> it's, what we, it's what the whole system is designed to do, is to keep people safe uh, from each other and also in times of emergency to, to really to, to make sure that the, the, the well, people are safe. I mean, it, doesn't, it doesn't get much better I mean, sort of from a role perspective from someone who spent his life as a prosecutor and in the General Assembly working on all these bills and all these issues relative to the law and how we relate to each other and to actually oversee it. Uh, pretty, that's pretty, it's a pretty big job. Yeah, that's why I'm I mean, relaxed. More relaxed I mean, now. It was. I mean, describe and it was twenty four seven. I mean, was it a great it was. release? Was it, was it just like, oh, <clears throat> you'd look at Karen and go, oh my God, we're finally through it this. Was 20, well, she probably more than uh, me even. Uh, she was thrilled when it finally came to it. Right. Well, thank you. you know, but for I your took service. the job at uh, Governor McAuliffe, uh, and we really had. Uh, I mean, it was just excitement and. Right. Uh, and pride, and, and I mean, what an opportunity to work with uh, public safety officials throughout the state. Oh, and, and it really isn't partisan. I, I, I really attempted to operate in a nonpartisan way because public safety is not a partisan issue. And, and you can sort of see that uh, <clears throat> with Governor Youngkin, uh, Youngkin appointing uh, most of the agency heads. I think out of the 11 agencies, um, only a couple of agencies changed, obviously the parole board. Uh, but uh, only a couple of agencies changed, and I think that goes to show operationally, right. we were doing very well right. in a nonpartisan way. I mean, obviously the policies of the Northam administration are very different uh, when it comes to criminal justice and some of those issues with the Yunkin administration. And so, but operationally, I could not be more prou proud of, of uh, what we were able to accomplish over the last eight years. Uh, we, we faced any number of crises and, um, I think we did uh, extremely well, and that's reflective of all those agency heads staying on. You've been through the ringer. You've been through you know, the Charlottesville. Charlottesville. Well, I, I recall going on your show, yep. Chris, the morning after that, still trying to recall right. uh, the details. And uh, I mean, that will forever have an impact on uh, you know my my life. Uh, well, it changed the course that. of American history, didn't it? Because Joe Biden said that was the impetus for why he ran for president in the first place. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, it was a historic moment. And when you're in that historic moment, do you feel it? I mean, because you, you don't understand sometimes because you're doing your job that history is taking place on a scale that you do, it's well, difficult to comprehend. Uh, or have you been able to wrap <clears throat> your head around it to this date? Uh, I'm still wrapping my head around it, but I even be, being there and seeing it, I, I knew this was, this was extremely unusual and historic. Uh, the Friday night when, you know, uh, hordes of individuals stormed the Thomas Jefferson Monument at the Rotunda uh, and faced off with UVA students. I mean, that was, the, and the torches, torches being thrown torches. up in the air and, and the lack of police presence, and then they showed up. And I mean, that was... Was the lack of police presence the, one of the reasons they were able to gather and have such a large It show? was, well, a lot has been said about that, so I'm not going to get into all I mean, that. I just didn't, but, I mean, no fault. But they, they, they were walking on the campus in, 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 in a trail of folks handing, you know, holding on to the tiki torches. And, uh, and then they assembled, and the UVA students, to the, you know, they didn't want any part of it. So there was, there was literally a physical altercation. And observing that, uh, 
and then the next day, you know, I started at, I don't know, 6.30 in the morning uh, visiting with the state troopers. We, you know, Governor McAuliffe ordered in 700 state troopers. We, we threw the kitchen sink in terms of preparations from a state perspective uh, and the National Guard. And yeah, that, that'll forever have an imprint on my, um, my uh, you know, life and my thoughts. But yeah, that was an impetus for a lot of things. I mean, it still garners attention. And, you know, a lot of folks are comparing, you know, what happened on January 6th and uh, up at the Capitol, United States Capitol. And, but let me talk the positive. And now I'm no longer secretary. I want to look at things positively. <laughs> and we're not, I know so, you're going to lay out all the laundry here, but what do you want to share with the well, audience? Well, when, um, when the call came in yeah. uh, for help, yeah. and uh, Colonel Settle called me and, and said, you know, we, we had been in communication, and, and he said, uh, they want the state police. I said, go, go, go. Right. Uh, absolutely go. And then, of course, I called the governor, and he was of the same, uh, yeah, send in the state Who police. had to make that call on the ground? City of Charlottesville? Well, oh no, no, I'm talking about January 6th now. Oh, January 6th. Of jun- okay. January oh, 6th. I, I missed I'm the transition there altogether. Oh yeah, we could talk about Charlottesville and all. Oh, let's, let's, yeah. let's come back but to I'll, January 6th. No, I'm talking about January 6th in terms of, you know, there are some similarities in, in, in the, how they, the, 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 you know, something we'd never seen before. Right, right, right. Unprecedented right, right. attack on the United States Capitol. Um, and in the state police though, and we, you know, the call came in, uh, it, and it, that came in from uh, D.C. Right, right, right. Uh, Metro Police, and said, we need, we need. Metro, just describe how it goes. Metro Police Chief calls you, calls no, the governor? No, no, they had been in communication with the state police, and the state police. Okay, um, then calls you. And grace, says, you know, th- thankfully and, and smartly had assembled okay. troopers in Northern Virginia. Ahead of time. Uh, ahead of time. They had mobilized just in case, ready in case things went Were south. Were you aware of that was going on, obviously? Yes. And how long ago, how long ahead of time was that taking place? Because to marshal up that, that, that level of force doesn't now, happen. Yeah, but the, that was just, I think that was just days. I mean, that, that they, but the, but there was yeah, a, there they was put a, them there for okay. at least a 24-hour period of time. From that, all over the state? Uh, the 700 I think troopers? They did. Is, yeah, mo, no, 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 700 was Charlottesville. Okay. We had about, I think it was closer to 200 for uh, January 6th. Yeah, 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 no, we had to move. And, uh, and that's something the state police does. I mean, they had, unfortunately, has had a lot of practice, not only just Charlottesville, but the, but the protests of 2020, they had to mobilize through, takes, during that summer. But it takes those, those troopers off the, uh, other, off the, road, uh, yeah. off the state. Yeah. And that yeah. makes that less safe. So yeah. the impact is not just up in D.C. and making sure no. that, or in Charlottesville, no, making sure that you know, goes 81 well there. and yeah. 64, you know, and what they do in the patrolling. So, but they, they were needed. Okay. And, and so they were ready. And when the call came in, to Colonel Settle, I, I approved it, the governor approved it, and to watch those state trooper vehicles, you know, cross over to the Memorial Bridge, you know, what a crowd, you know, you could see them coming in, and there's a wonderful video that the state police have um, assembled, and, and literally, when you when you watch those, you know, the film of, uh, of that day, and you can see law enforcement at one of the porticos holding off, I mean, there was some Folks were using uh, real weapons right. to get in, gain access, and they they stopped them. And those are our, our Virginia State Police troopers. Really, uh, they were there. They were right on the front lines. Right on the front lines. They they came to the rescue. There was they were the cavalry. And I don't uh, think that's been widely distributed. That that was that's what happened. They were the, they state were the cavalry. Virginia. Didn't uh, well, obviously the D.C. police were there. They had uh, the metro, you know, metro police. They had locals. How does that? How does that the state, authority work legally? I mean, because they're well, we have mutual. Federal. We we have compacts with. You do. Oh yeah 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 okay. yeah. We have mutual compacts that 
we can come to their aid and vice versa. Okay. And particularly in Northern Virginia, there's a lot of that. And how how operationally? The, the inauguration happened shortly oh, sure. after that. Right, right, right. And we had a lot of calls. who's in charge? Who makes the call and how are they communicating with each other? Because things can get lost in the fog of war. Right, right. Well, not to you saw that. Else. Let's go 9-11. You sure. saw that. Um, you know, who was in charge at the Pentagon. And, right. and uh, you know, it's in Ar Arlington. It's actually in Virginia, though oh, yeah. everybody thinks it's in D.C. Right, right. No, the Pentagon's actually in in Virginia. And, uh, you know, who is the commander? Now, you know, uh, uh, D.C. and um, the Capitol Police, the United States Capitol Police were in charge on that. The, the state police were there merely in, in support. But are, they, they were, are they, they in were, the same communication channel? Oh, yeah. They, oh, yeah. They, oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. That's, all, that's, that's all. something that actually came as a result of 9-11. They realized okay. that uh, the communication systems have to be okay. um, improved. Uh, the other thing that came from 9-11 was the Fusion Center. And I, and I want to give a shout out to the Fusion Center because when we, we served together, at least I did not know anything about the Fusion Center, and I'll first admit. And um, but eight years ago, when I uh, when I was appointed to this position, I became very well aware of the Fusion Center. And what what the Fusion Center is is embedded in the Virginia State Police, the state troopers, but they're assigned um, intelligence, and so they gather intelligence and disseminate intelligence. Right. So again, as a result of 9-11, you know, the FBI had information, New York Police had information wasn't being shared. Uh, and then when the tragedy occurred, you know, was the fire department on the same channels? Right. You know, uh, and the Fusion Center brings it all of the information together. Fusion Center it it collects intelligence, disseminates intelligence. So they get intelligence from, you know, the ARP, right. Richmond police and move it around, or they get it from Department of Homeland Security and move it down to the local police. So it goes, it's two ways. And, you know, they were just terrific with respect to Charlottesville. They shared all of that information with us, they sh we shared it with city of Charlottesville, how many people were coming, right. what kind of groups were coming. Mm -hmm. um, and so the intelligence is extremely important. And sometimes it's so not that good. I should feel badly about voting against that. What's that? I should feel badly about voting against it. You voted so. against it? I, I can't I believe you. <laughs> well, the, Funding I, the no, no, Fusion Center? I don't remember what it was. I, was, I think <laughs> I was upset with the patron or something <laughs> else. And, and the, 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 who was the lady who won the, the head of the Virginia Press Association? Um, she goes, thank you for voting against that. I was like, I did? I didn't hmm. know. I, what did I vote against? She goes, the Fusion Center. I was like, oh, yeah, I just saw the patron. I think it was more about the patron than it was the actual bill. I was like, in one of those moods. You know, you well, gotta, that, I'm sure in the budget you had a second I'm sure opportunity and you voted for the budget. <laughs> because the Republicans were in charge, and so oh, you I, voted for the budget. I don't think it was a Republican bill, though. Anyway. Yeah. Well, the Fusion Center, uh, state police, they do a great job. Good. And it, it, it was a tremendous resource for decision-making on our part, be able to, you know, what kind of resources yeah. are we going to need from the state? And again, the state, most people don't understand how that all works, but, you know, I, I, I don't blame them because you figure, oh, the governor's in charge. Right. But, you know, the state, you know, particularly in the state police, they're there in support. They supplement the local. If there's, there's something happening in the city of Richmond, it, it, you know, the state police are not primary. They, they support RPD. The right. Richmond police are in charge. Uh, we're there in support, and that's the case for most of any emergencies there are. Certainly was in Charlottesville and others that we've dealt with over the last eight years. Um, uh, but we have the resources, you know, fortunately, because some legislators do vote <laughs> for the state police budget, and uh, One they vote. have resources, <laughs> TAC teams, right, right, right. you know, they have the training, they have right. the equipment. All important stuff to have done Big, time. big time. I mean, yeah. they, you know, you can't expect, you know, Stanton, to have a TAC team ready for you no. know a large uh, 
demonstration. A demonstration at the Stonewall Jackson Hotel, though they have renamed that formally. Formally, formally now. Uh, but no, and that's where they call. The Stanton police will call um, state police and say, "Can you know? Can you give us a tack team?" And and the tack team isn't on the streets. What they typically do is they're in a local library or school yeah, yeah. or something out of What's sight. But in case something, something like happens, What's response time. What do we? Well, obviously you need. You need some, you need significant time to get them in place. So you have to have the intel ahead of time yeah. to make the call. That yeah. kind of stuff. Let's let's talk about if we can the the decision making of law enforcement and you know, your policy making years. I mean, because things have changed. When you we had a in the in the chair this morning a delegate Kim Taylor who's you know it was her first year in and she's trying to get used to the place. And if you were to, to talk to a, a freshman on the other first year <clears throat> on the other side of the aisle about after your twenty years of public service, like this is, you know, this is what I've learned in the decision-making process and it actually being implemented and what you should pay attention to and how these things get done for the public good. Yeah, well, we should actually sit down and write a book. I mean, <laughs> write a book about that. You know, I was the young, it has to do something with your personality. I was the youngest of seven kids. So I grew up learning to, you know, speak when I'm asked. Right. And, you know, when I know something that can add to the conversation. So... Uh, what I typically <clears throat> in the day would tell freshmen, seen and be seen and not heard. Right. Be a sponge, absorb everything you can. Right. Particularly with your committees, you know, you'll receive anywhere between three to five committee assignments. Really focus on the issues that come before your committee. Try to become an expert. I, I'm not sure that any longer, uh, I don't, that is not now the... Uh, operate of uh, uh, belief of many freshmen. I think that's I. I what are you saying? I mean, oh, I, what are you saying? No, I, well, <laughs> I don't I'll think you disagree. You. <laughs> yeah, well, I, that's not my my observation is that they are is because the media has changed so much and they're they're we didn't have how the they, social how they, media how they communicate with their constituents is so vastly different. Yeah. You know, we don't go home with a report card and say, hey, I got an A and got all these things done for you. And they go, oh, you got an A. Yeah. Send you right back up there. You have to be constantly communicating in all these different yeah. media channels messages that really don't comport with what you're doing in committee because people really don't care about yeah. HB 123. No. They care about the larger issue uh, that's going on, you know, you know, I say globally, but politically globally, the macro view of what's talking about on, on cable news and having and relating it then to the issues of the day in, in, in Virginia. Is that fair as a description of what's going on? <laughs> I think that's pretty accurate. Um, I mean, there's a lot of talent. The talent, it's not about talent. It's, it's about not the all. underlying I mean, conditions they're politically. Sharp, they're sharp folks, uh, both as freshmen and, and senior members. And, uh, well, there's the whole partisanship, too. I, I, Chris, you and I got along very well. I mean, I, you know, we tangled over charter school uh, vouchers, I think. You always put in the school voucher bill. and uh, Tax credits. Tax credits. Tax credits. And of course, I believe you know, in freedom. In my, I I'm, a fr I'm a I, freedom guy. <laughs> I believe in public education, um, and uh, though that money would come out of public education, it would you know we can argue that to this day, um, but we we did it in a way. I mean, we used to laugh about it. We'd be still on the do. floor. I know the partisanship and maybe cable news. Well, we I still mean, made our points. We didn't laugh. Folks, it off. you know, the folks watching NBC, folks watch Fox, and there's just no doesn't seem to be any common ground. And that's really unfortunate. I, I've built some great relationships over time with Republicans. Um, 
and certainly my Democrat and you, friends. And you were the minority leader on the, on the floor. Right, and I used to have to throw some bombs at you all. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But uh, I think you all, under, you know, this is, that was my role. Yeah. And you know, I felt strongly. I mean, I still, you know, I, you know, I, I still feel strongly philosophically about some of those issues. But uh, I don't, know, I don't know if that's. I mean, I haven't, from my perspective as secretary, I, I, um, there were some issues that are just strictly partisan votes, and um, so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm concerned that has become so partisan, and it's, and it's unfortunate because the experience down here. Uh, can be very beneficial trying to work on the, with the other side of the aisle, um, and both for Republicans and, and Democrats. So, uh, you know, hopefully that, that'll prevail. I mean, you, the dynamics you have right now is you're going to have to, right? I mean, you have a Democratic Senate and you have a Republican House. So, you know, maybe that will force, you know, the last two years we've had Democratic control from the governor on throughout, uh, and you haven't had to, you know, wherever. You could pass a bill with 55 Democratic votes and 21 Democratic senators, and the governor's going to sign it. Um, but now, you know, they're going to they're be forced to compromise on some of these issues because, um, uh, you know, you're not going to get it through the Democratic Senate and vice versa. You're not going to get it through well, the Well, how do you, House. I mean, you've, you've done this a while. Your brother was a congressman. You know, you've, you've seen a lot. You've been exposed to a lot politically. Um, executive branch, legislative branch, a former colleague of yours, David Toscano, talked about the separation of powers relative mm -hmm. to emergency orders. You know, where does this all come to play? What's the balance? And, and I, I guess the question I'm getting to is, how do we fix what's wrong with this system that seems to be dysfunctional yet is functional? Because you, you guys are still doing your job at public safety, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, is it just noise? And at the end of the day, because of the separation of powers, we, we are able to still have a functioning democracy, essentially? Yeah, that's really, that's, um yeah, I think I, 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 a lot of good things are happening. Um, I mean, we have. I think we've come the, financially. We're coming out of the pandemic uh, strong. We, we have more money now than we've ever had. I mean, uh, we we secured uh, eighty-four million dollars for correctional officer salaries, secured twenty-four million for state police salaries. Um, so again, I'm still public safety centric here. Sure, sure. So sure. Uh, and law enforcement, deputy sheriffs pay. So, I mean, that's huge. So there are some really good things happening, and I think that's going to receive, you know, bipartisan support. Without question. I mean, that, um, that, that, it, you're not, no one's going to vote against, you know, increases in those kinds. It's just, that's know. a tough vote. Some voted against the Fusion Center, though, apparently. Yeah, so I, I would have thought that was you know, <laughs> crazy days. <laughs> but years no, and years so ago. So, <laughs> again, uh, I was, you find common ground. Now, around those issues, I think there's some, you know, you're going to have the, um, the chair of House Appropriations agree with the chair of the Senate Finance Committee, I, I would think, around those issues. So that's common the, ground. The, the larger issues, <clears throat> especially when it comes to, you know, we've seen a lot of criminal justice issues. There's a, been a sea change in how we viewed, um, you know, um, re returning citizens from the, the penitentiaries, you know, being having, getting the vote. Um, there's been a, it's just, it has changed so much mm. in just the last 10 years, you know, and when you came in, it was a heavy prosecution era. Yeah, uh, the 90s. The 90s were heavy, they, they, yeah. and, and I think the pendulum is swinging back. Mm -hmm. Where, where's, and it's, it goes to the, the whole balance between the, the both, both parties and maybe society, but where do we find the balance in all of these mm -hmm. things? Because right now there's some areas of the country that don't have the balance. We've seen some of the pictures from San Francisco, Los Angeles, Detroit, 
you know, Baltimore. I mean, there's they're, they're militarized zones. Mm. And we you know, talk about the proximity to decision making and law enforcement presence uh, being the cavalry. We, you know, the, how do we find this 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 balance mm-hmm. so that we can have these safe areas mm-hmm. in which to live? We don't have crime and mm-hmm. it's, it's a problem. Well, I did navigate through that. I mean, um, clearly there are differences of opinion with respect to you know, parole issues in Virginia. We should have parole. We shouldn't have parole. How do you treat violent criminals? They should never get out of prison. Clearly, there are differences of opinion on it, strong differences of opinion. Uh, what I found over my eight years as secretary is that there is common ground around some of those issues. The recidivism rate, which is, you know, if someone gets out, right. what is their likelihood of returning? Right. And if they return, that means they've committed another crime and probably another victim. You know, maybe it could be drugs or, um, you know, but burglaries and, and violent crimes. Um, you know, so you have another victim. So, so we really found common ground around investing in reentry and rehabilitation efforts. Uh, we would go to the General Assembly, Democrat or Republican, and, and say, you know, we need more drug um, clinics or we need more um, career and technical education in our prison so that they learn how to be an electrician. Right. Um, and Did those programs work? They do, well, they do. We have the lowest recidivism rate in the nation. And I say that. What's South the, what's the it's about 23.4%. About it is twenty three point four percent because I this is something when when you're, we you're came not rounding in, up this. no I mean, uh, well it's just something that I've, we've been you're so proud of because we've sure. been we've been either first or second I think South Carolina is a little lower okay. right now but there's forty I think it's forty three or forty five states that you know you want to compare apples to apples sure, right? sure. so uh, about forty three or forty five states measure recidivism rate in the way Virginia does and compared to those other some states like Oklahoma had a forty percent recidivism rate that means you, 10 people you let out, four are going to be coming back. And that means, you know, there's victims. Serious crimes. Serious crimes. They come back to a prison situation. Um, and so, uh, yeah, felony. So, um, you know, we're, that, that is something we were able to find common ground about. You know, so, so, you know, you could go to the hardest core conservative Republican and say, you know, we want to reduce the number of victims. If this person receives mental health, there was a great example the more mental health treatment a returning citizen received on the street through probation, the recidivism rate improved by 7%. I mean, they, they have the numbers, you know. Right, right, right. DOC does a great job. And so, so we funded, and this was during McAuliffe's time, we funded additional, with the Republican legislature, we, dish, we put money in for additional mental health counselors in probation office, offices. Again, that's middle ground. I mean, you know, we can, we, if we can address and make sure they stay on their medications, make sure they're properly diagnosed, um, they'll stay out of prison. Are they getting they'll their, stay in the street. Are they getting those services in prison? Yes. They do. Yeah, and then, well, there's an innovative program, too, about, you know, opioids and, and methadone, not methadone, but um, I can't think of the name of it now, but uh, in trying to start them in prison just about, just before they re- are released. Because anybody that comes up, you know, either it's for parole or mandatory release. I mean, 95% right. of folks are going to get out of prison. You know, uh, only 5% have those type of life sentences where they're never going right. to see the light of day. Um, so it is imperative we prov- try to provide them some, either it's mental health or substance abuse or career training. If they're young enough, 
you know, they can get into careers at the age of 50 or 60 and, and come out and work and provide for their families. I mean, um, so that always was a part of middle ground. And that we have been successful uh, with. And so, um, you know, that, again, you got to try to find the common ground. And What's the selling point for Republicans in, the, in that space who want to be tougher on crime and don't want to be seen as weaker on crime? 95% of our prison population is going to return to their communities, our, our Virginia communities. Right. Isn't it? Don't you want them to come back prepared to be a law-abiding citizen, a successful citizen. You do not want any more victims. You don't want these individuals coming to your community and committing more crime. And, you know, Republicans... So it's an anti-crime. And the Republican, there's a whole, you know, there's a there's a, there's a, uh, a Republican crowd that really believes in that sort of, you know, Ken Cuccinelli used to, and Bob McDonald, let me yeah. shout Bob out our friend, you know, yeah. we served with Bob. Bob started, Bob actually hired uh, Harold Clark in 2010. Okay. So, you know, he uh, he deserves a shout out here. He started it and and we doubled down with McAuliffe. We doubled down on the investments and of course with uh, Governor Northam. So, um, you know, we unfortunately, I, I think we should have put more money into our correctional officers too during sure. that time. And we are now because staffing is terrible and you can't have these programs without adequate staff because they uh, sometimes you have to bring folks in from the outside to come right. in for counseling, right. and that requires security. Sure. So when you have staffing shortages, it hurts your right. um, reentry programming. And right. so that, you know, we, we really went to our Democratic friends and said, you know, we're all into reentry, but without, without correctional officers, adequate number of correctional officers, you can't have this programming. Um, and, and everybody bought off on this. Well, I shouldn't say that. The governor bought off on the salary increase. Hopefully the legislature will. Right. So in, in your time, you're trying to find the balance, the consensus. And, I, and I, don't, I don't want to put a label on centrist, moderate, whatever it is. But you've had to deal with both sides. You've done it for over 20 years successfully. Um, where can you honestly say that Republicans, you know, if you would go back and close the door with your Democratic colleagues, say, look, Republicans do have a point here. <laughs> this is this is legit. You know, you've been a prosecutor, you've been a legislator, you've been in the executive <clears throat> branch. And go, look, folks, this is a. And, and I want to go conversely to, to to Republicans. Look, the Democrats have a point here. You know, where where how do you start cracking that that shell mm-hmm. with Republicans? Mm-hmm. No, I, I I do think there are Republican allies around that issue. What about Democrats? I mean, because there's Democrats going, look, we're not going to do what Republicans want to do here. I mean, in in this in this field, when you say, look, folks, I mean, you, you we're not doing these things like we should be doing. This is not going to work. Mm-hmm. You can have your you can have your talking points going back home and do all your social media stuff, but man, they kind of got a point here. Mm-hmm. And this, if for public safety and the public good, you might want to pay attention to them on this. Do you have those? Yeah, I think you flesh those a, out. There's been a lot of those uh, agreements. I mean, I. The attention is around those issues that divide us, right? Right. And that's certainly where cable news goes. I mean, oh, you know, Fox News is covering, you know, one issue, and CNN covers another issue. Different, and, and, different, and different totally worlds. Different, I mean, different worlds. You think that, everybody was fighting, but, but at the end of the day, the legislature. I mean, there's gonna, there's gonna be speeches. There's gonna be some bomb throwing. That we used to throw, you know, a few hand grenades at you guys just to, you know, you had to lively. keep you honest. You know, <laughs> keep you gotta it keep, keep it lively. But um, at the end of the day, most issues do come. I mean, look at all the bills that did pass over the last. I mean, you got bills passed. I got bills passed oh, yeah. with Republicans. Warner and Cain signed my bills. Yeah, you know. 
Uh, so you, you find it. I used to find a lot of common ground around uh, so what drunk, do you drunk driving. Let's go back to the, the question, though. What, what Democrats, what, here's, look, and I ask this question of a lot of candidates when I'm interviewing. I'm like, you got to admit, the other team does have a point here on X, Y, and Z. What is that point? They're kind of good on this. Right. I mean, until we start admitting that, you know, they, they, they got a point. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's listen to them on this one and start changing the direction of the conversation because without that, we're not going to get anywhere. We're just going to say, you know, whoever wins the election gets up and gets what they want and you go back next time and the pendulum swings back. And there's no, yeah. there's no path forward, I don't think, mm-hmm. in, that, in that constant back and forth. Well, I think we'll, we'll see how that plays out with, with Governor Youngkin, right? We're, we're living this in real time. Right. You know, he won, and there were some issues where he, he certainly highlighted, you know, education, uh, freedom around masks, and that's come into play. I mean, uh, right. uh, and so we'll, we'll see how all that comes out. I mean, uh, uh, hopefully we're going to find some middle ground around education. I think teacher salaries. He talked about raising teacher salaries. Oh, yeah, the whole time. And certainly that the Democrats have owned that issue for a long time, and, uh, and there's now money. You know, it's, that's a wonderful thing, Chris. Well, it's, well <laughs> when, when the budget and then and, and it's tax not tight because well the because so much money's been printed. Let's be honest; they've, they've oh, shoved so much money out can, in the economy. I know. I mean, I, that's where it comes from. I mean, they said here we're going to spend all this money, and the states are flush with cash right now, and spending it wisely. You know, not on you know not on long term. You know, we've we've lifted the, the the floor on a lot of these things: essential workers, you know, public safety, etc. But if the largesse goes away, which it is likely to do as we recover from this, and it's not like, you know, they're right and we're wrong or vice versa. It's like, look, we have to manage our resources responsibly because this is, this, these good times, all, as you well know, we've been through recessions when it comes to, we, we don't have a lot it's of money. It's only a matter of time. I mean, this right. happens. I mean, history will indicate there'll be, and that's why you, you want to make investments uh, in your infrastructure now, while interest rates are low and you have some money, put right. it into roads and bridges. Uh, because in the tough times, you don't have that kind of cash to do that. Put it into education. Um, it pays dividends, right? And so, um, but even on the tax cuts, you know, obviously the Republicans, you know, less government, sure. low taxes, that's their mantra. But I think there is... Uh, is that mantra changing, though? I don't hear that as much. I don't, I don't, I don't hear, I mean, that was a growth out of the 90s in, mm. the, in, the, in the Gingrich era and, you know, post-Soviet, and I hate to interrupt you because we were going in a direction, because I'm like, you said mantra, I'm like, but I don't hear that anymore. Really? As much. I mean, that was like, you know, credo. Well, less regulations. And yeah. It's less government, less, I mean, environmental protection, fewer, fewer regulations. I mean, um, so, I mean, I, again, we, I don't, I, I mean, it's not a debate. Well, I mean, me, it's an observation. I, I, I'm not. I mean, right. Maybe I'm wrong, and I'm. I've been married for over 30 years. I'm usually told every day how I am, in fact, wrong. Well, but in this case, I just don't hear that as much. Mm. Um, as, well, as certainly, we used to. tax cuts is something and that's like Governor Youngkin mentioned, and that's. I mean, that's sure. And, and I think there's some common ground around tax cuts. I mean, if you you raise the standard deduction, it helps. It helps you know lower the middle income. class, the mm. lower income earners, and the food tax. I mean. You know, I thought we did eliminate the food tax back when I was in the legislature, but that was so the too. state. I know that was the state portion of it, because right. I remember having flyers on we eliminated the food tax. So they're going to have to work on. Right. That's a local. Um, kind of goes back to the car tax, right? We right. car tax was a local tax. The state now reimburses localities for the money they lost. Right. Is that how you want to do the food tax? I mean, that. But uh, you know, the particulars and the details are going to have to get worked out, but. There is common ground there, right? The food tax hurts those who are who are economically disadvantaged, which is 
you know, typically the Democratic base with, you know, lower income folks who you're sure. trying to help, uh, you know, uh, and, um, and so I do think there's some common ground that can be achieved around that standard deduction and the, uh, and the food tax cut. So, um, you know, you can get, a, you know, the liberals on board and, and, and the tax cutters on board, and that's a pretty strong <laughs> coalition. Tough, those are tough no votes. That's a tough, <laughs> that's a tough no vote. Yeah. So uh, Brian Moran, former Secretary of Public Safety, eight years, legislature for 13. 13, 21 years total, public service. Top three lessons you would give someone looking at uh, running for the House of Delegates or the State Senate or serving in state government, what, what would you what would you say, you know, this is what I've learned, this is what I would like to pass on to you. Please, well, please that, do X, Y, and Z. The first one is be respectful of everyone. Let me, let me just share a little story, a little anecdote. Um, Governor Yunkin, I had never met him before. Uh, we, I saw him at the UVA game, and you know he had a crowd around him, so I wasn't gonna, you know, I, I wasn't gonna. Um, UVA Tech game. UVA Tech game. Right, football game. Which, right. Tech won. Yeah. Um, go well. So, uh, go Hokies. So, um, but I, I saw him. We were walking in the hall, and I and I saw him. I said, you know, "Congratulations, Governor. Nice to meet you. Uh, congratulations on the Secretary of Public Safety." I introduced myself. I didn't know if he knew any. And me and he said, "Oh no, I know who you are." Uh, we looked at the list before we came, which told me, "Wow, the guy's looking at the list of who's coming to the right. president's box." And then he says, "Oh yeah, well, my wife recognized your name." I said, "Okay." And he, she said, uh, "Yeah, she told the story that you two were standing at a poll ten years ago, and uh, she thought you were delightful. Uh, you were a gentleman. Of course, you were in the blue, and she was in the red." Right, right. And. Um, and you were delightful. So he had a positive impression of me, which obviously you'd, uh, so I, I, you know, it's just kind of anecdotal. You always yeah. are respectful. I had no idea this nice woman who's at a polling place. And you have no recollection. It, you no, know, and she's going to turn out to be the first lady of the Commonwealth of Virginia. You never, you never you know? Know. So you never know. You and never I, and I shared with that with my kids and, um, and that's life. You should right. always be respectful of everyone. Um, and I would underscore that and, bold with the legislature. Uh, Somebody like you, um, you know, we've been friends ever since we served together. Be respectful. I mean, uh, and it it, it can be tough because, you know, even your friends, it's worse when your friends, I mean, how many times did it happen to you? I'm sure it happened to me. I'd had a bill on the floor and and a Democratic colleague would get up and speak against it or vote against it. And you're like, that's crushing. I'm like, what are you doing? To your bill. To my bill. Yeah, to my bill. Uh, so, uh, be respectful of others, uh, be patient, tolerant, so be respectful. What else? Very respectful. Uh, well, do your homework, do your homework. You know, as your legislator, I mean, you got to do your homework. Don't yeah, go in spouting of off things that, you know, try to get the facts as, uh, right. as much as possible. Um, uh, cause you'll be found out pretty quickly if right. you don't know, right. you know, what, you, what your bill does or you don't know, um, you know, so do, do your homework and that's a, I mean, you should, I mean, and I don't, I, so, um, those are two. Uh, okay. Third, I don't know. Uh, the third to me would be, uh, you know, stay, you know, at home. Uh, uh, be be mindful of the time you're spending away from home. Okay. Uh, your spouse, your family. The balance. Work the life ba- balance. Work life balance. Yeah, that's so uh, That's not bad off the top of my head, those three. That's, that's, that's not, not bad. bad. <laughs> let's, do, let's, let's, let's end up on some lighter notes. So what are your favorite TV shows? What do you, what do you oh watch? Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, TV has really improved 
since our, we've been around. I mean, I remember as a kid watching Adam 12 and the Flintstones. Uh, <laughs> now you can go on Adam Netflix. 12, public safety guy. Yeah. Uh, I guess I was public safety Emergency, all along. Emergency 51 um, too, right? Hill Street Blues okay. was a good let's one. Let's be safe out there. Uh, <clears throat> Boston. Yeah, let's be safe out there. Um, but today you can watch just tremendous television. I it's mean, and, and you Anything can binge it without, tel- without ads. Oh. So uh, I watched, you know, oddly enough, I watched The Witcher last night. Have okay. you seen The Witcher? It's on Netflix. I watched uh, uh, Condor. Okay. Two seasons of Condor. Uh, so you're, CIA you're, agent. You're, sh- you're binging right now. I'm binging. Um, Ozark. Oh, okay, you no. like that one? Ozark's good. Have you seen Ozark? I uh, saw like part of the first season. Yeah, it's yeah good. That, I find that good. And that goes to show you drugs are indeed very dangerous. <laughs> uh, I know there's a war yeah, on drugs. Those but first we gotta, couple of scenes, my wife's like, we're not watching this. We've got to be she balanced, does, too. I mean, uh, she, drug she'll cartels, she'll they're a very balance. real thing, of drug cartels. Um, One time I watched those when she goes and sees the in-laws, and I'm like, oh, I get to watch my shows now. Well, well that's just too violent for her. That's exactly how Karen is, that she does not like the violence. Uh, what books? What are, you, your, what, what are your favorite books? Oh, my, uh, well, while I was secretary, I really just got into fiction. And okay. I love Stephen King. I, okay. I, I had never read Stephen King, and I went back and started reading Stephen King novels and really enjoyed his fiction. Um, so, uh, you know, I like Baldacci. Okay. Baldacci, he's a Virginian. I yeah, enjoy yeah. giving him my money. Um, so I, I enjoyed now I'm, I'm going to start, uh, my daughter got me some fun books. Um, I like um, Gladwell, Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, he's, I thought the, his books are very thought-provoking. Very interesting. So I'll start doing some more non-fiction now. Okay, that I you're don't getting have ready to branch you know, out. During the day, the last thing I want, you know, <laughs> this is reality. with the emergencies <laughs> going on, the last thing I want is, oh my God, I got to think, you know, at night and the emergencies. You need and, to turn uh, your brain off. Now I can binge on, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. fun favorite, television shows. movies. You know, I haven't seen a movie in ages. I haven't gone to the movie theater. Okay, what are your favorite old movies from old, the old ones? Which I, I mean, we just got through the holiday season. I, the number one movie is It's a Wonderful Life. Perfect. You know, George Bailey. Who can, I mean, what a great show. Donna Reed. Fantastic. Uh, um, but <laughs> I, I like some, uh, you know, I like the science fiction. I like Star Trek and okay. those sorts of movies, yeah. All right. Why are you? That's just what I. This is, is how I open the conversation. A lot of people just get to know them and just like start formulating. Star Wars, Star Trek, and, and, uh, and, and my been, son. There's, there's no crossover so far. I'll tell people you first, their, because they have so many interests. My uh, my son was born May fourth, May first, and it always coincided with some of the Marvel movies coming out. Okay. Iron Man, Spider Man. Okay. Uh, Thor, um, and and so. I take, would take him and his friends would have those birthday parties, as you know, uh, and take him to the movie theater. And this one particular movie, Chris was—I guess it was um, Captain America—and uh, and it was an Iron Man movie. And I dressed up as Iron Man, <laughs> and my buddy uh, dressed up as Captain America, and he had a convertible. So you know, we wanted to surprise the kids. So you know, my wife had all the kids at How the movie theater. How long ago was this? It must have been, well, it was before, uh, it was, uh, he must have been five or six, maybe But seven. you're not, so you're in the house. I was in the house of delegates. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah, I was in the house of delegates. So so we drive down Duke Street, which is a main thoroughfare in the city of Alexandria, and people are looking at, you know, Iron Man with his mask and Captain America, and they're hooting and hollering at us, and, and it was May, so it was a beautiful day, <laughs> and we get to the movie theater, you wouldn't believe it. I mean, 
we were celebrities. <laughs> I, could, I could barely see out of my mask. I'm, I'm looking at these eyes. I couldn't see my feet. So all these kids start running up. And I couldn't see the kids, so I'm, I'm like tripping over the kids. And they literally, people were lining up to take pictures with us so in the lobby. We're so trying to make it to the theater to say hi to my son. And we couldn't get into the theater. And, and at one point, my wife comes over to me. And a woman starts yelling at her, wait in line. The line starts back there. And Karen's like, I'm his wife. I'm trying to get him into the theater. It was the craziest thing. So uh, I've always fun. been partial to those Marvel, uh, Marvel movies. And, uh, That's great. And uh, they always, again, coincided with my son's birthday. And, uh, and I think he, he actually went. I think one, another one came out just this year. And he went, oh, Spider-Man, I think, just came yeah. out. And he said it was terrific. I haven't seen it yet, though. So... But anyway, I hope that uh... it's a good, it's a good, it's a good bonding <laughs> moment with you, with your kids there. Uh, lastly, where do you get your media sources? Where do you, where do you turn for information? Uh, I, I get the VPAP clips every morning and, and read through those clips religiously. I enjoy that, and then, uh, you know, I, I um, that's really I, and uh, a variety. I mean, I pretty much I read everything that comes up on my iPhone. Okay. Well, great. I mean, I, you know, there's some I. Try, you know, uh, the slanting of stories just so bad, drives me it? crazy. So bad. It really does just drive me crazy. I mean, uh, in both sides, you know. Yeah. No, you don't sides. have to. I get it. I mean, yeah. we've, we've done this long enough to know. But just just give me the news. Would right, you, just give me, give me the facts. You know, I don't know if I have to go to the BBC, you know, right. English news, British the news to, you know, to actually get the objective story. But It's sad. And even if something like, you know, as important as the Ukraine right now, I mean, where where's a trusted source of what is actually going on? Right with Putin and Russia and Ukraine. Um, but I mean, that is a challenge and I don't know what the answer is because social media is here to stay. Facebook's, the Twitter's, I, I don't know what the, uh, what the answer is going to be. I mean, the first amendment, we all, I mean. But you admit that there's, there's a problem to be solved. Well, I, I don't think there's any question. You know, one of the television shows I love is Homeland. Yeah. I was in season seven. Oh, there you one go. One second. Uh, well, plug. And they did. Uh, it wasn't shameless. Season six was all about uh, disinformation, a Russian yeah. disinformation yeah, impact yeah. on, on an election, and, and um, I mean that's really that's a very serious threat when they can. And, and we we've seen that in the you know in the 2016, 2020. I mean, the, the, you know, your folks who you think are trying to influence opinion through social media, not your next door neighbors or the guy down the street here. It's Russian oh, yeah. um, counterintelligence, and uh, that's very serious. And, and of course, yeah, what, cyber was, what was the stats from the 2016 election for every uh, one negative uh, meme or post that was up on social media? Eight were coming from outside the country. Yeah, it's I, insane. That is yeah. insane, and you worry just how much that Deeply. is influencing we'll talk about our public, internal politics, well, and, public uh, safety. I mean, safety from from all the external uh, foes that we have. But uh, Brian, we'll yeah. catch up on those another time. It's been great having you on the VIP podcast. It says it right there. Yeah, so it makes you a VIP, even though you're no longer- uh... I'm a has-been, man. I'm a has-been. <laughs> you were a war. And I'm happy about it. I know you are. You're <laughs> happy about it. Great to have you on the show today. Appreciate you coming on. Good to be with you. Thanks.